0: CHAPTER ONE OF RESCUE DOG OF THE HIGH PASS This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org RESCUE DOG OF THE HIGH PASS BY JIM KIELGARD THE SCHOOL Sitting on his assigned portion of the backless wooden school bench, fourteen-year-old Franz Hale tried earnestly to concentrate on the Latin text before him. He read: "De rex perteritus herculi unc laborum graviorum imposut augus." Very interesting, he thought. And doubtless very important, Professor Luttman, who taught the school at Dornblatt, said so, and Professor Luttman was both wise and educated. Franz himself had heard the village men say that he could discuss the classics, politics, history, higher mathematics, astronomy, and the latest method of bloodletting as a cure for the ague at endless length and most thoroughly. Franz tried again day and day rex surely it meant something or professor luttman never would have assigned it but what if only it were a squirrel track in the snow a chamois doe trying to lure an eagle away from its kid a trout in the cold little stream that foamed past Dornblatt, or an uncertain patch of snow that was sure to become an avalanche it would be simplicity itself but written words were never simple not even when they were written in the german that franz could read franz made one more manful effort then he gave up and devoted himself to looking through the window on the south side of the school the mighty birches that had once grown there and that had been so lovely to see when spring clothed their branches in tightly curled new leaves that looked oddly like baby lambs or when the wind set trees and leaves to dancing Had been felled for half a furlong down the mountainside franz smiled wistfully furlong furrow long the distance a team of oxen could pull a plow without tiring now there was a word he understood perfectly not that there were any gardens a furlong in length around dornblatt for not even the strongest oxen could pull a plow through solid rock Some of the villagers had even carried dirt, basket by basket, to cover the rocks and form more garden space. Vaguely, it occurred to Franz that there was something he had been doing, or should do, but he had forgotten what it was. He continued to look out of the window. The village spread below him, sturdy log buildings with living quarters for humans on the second floor, and stables for the cattle beneath. The villages lined the narrow path that trailed on up the mountain and eventually into the mighty alps here and there was a garden patch for where there was so little land to cultivate not even one square foot must be wasted but most of the gardens were beyond the limits of dornblatt itself summer pasturage for the village cattle and the fields where the villagers cut most of their hay was far above the timber line Franz thought again of the birch-trees that had been, and a twinge of remorse stirred his heart. It was right and just to fell trees, but only when timber was needed for new buildings, or wood was required for the village stoves. It was wrong to destroy so many beautiful birches, simply because one greedy man had the power to gratify his greed. The land upon which the school was built had belonged to Emil Gottschalk, the only man in Dornblatt who had managed to acquire any wealth. And it was a foregone conclusion that a site for the schoolhouse would be bought from Emil. And this was the only location that he offered, since practically everybody else in Dornblatt was in Emil's debt none had dared protest vehemently even though all knew that the schoolhouse at the very foot of a steep and almost forestless mountain was directly in the path of an avalanche and sooner or later would be destroyed by one emil had prepared for that too after selling the site for a school to the citizens of dornblatt he had proceeded to sell them the birches every man in the village had helped cut and trim the trees and every horse and ox team had been pressed into service to drag the trim trunks to the north side of the school and there the men including professor Luttman, had again fallen to and erected a breastwork that probably would stop anything except a major avalanche and so dornblatt had its school but at three times the cost in money and labor that would have been necessary had any of a half-dozen other sites that were available and out of the path of the avalanches been selected. Franz straightened suddenly and grew tense. A squirrel had emerged from the far side of the clearing where the birches had been, and was crossing to the near side. Franz's eyes widened, for this promised both Stark drama and excitement. Squirrels lived among the trees, and almost always they were safe as long as they stayed there. But almost invariably they were doomed when they left their arboreal haunts. Obviously not alarmed, for it was not running fast, the squirrel came a quarter of the way into the clearing. Franz knitted puzzled brows. Latin was a mystery to him but almost without exception the creatures of the forest were an open book the squirrel presented a puzzle for the very fact that it was not running fast proved that it had not been frightened from the forest it was no baby but an adult therefore it was acquainted with danger what had prompted it to risk this foolhardy journey as unexpectedly as a sudden wind can whirl a spiral of snow into the air The squirrel's leisurely pace changed to wild flight. Franz ceased pondering whys and wherefores, and lost himself in watching. From the same side of the clearing where the squirrel had first appeared, a fox emerged from the forest. But rather than choosing a leisurely pace, the fox was running so furiously that it seemed little more than a streak of fur. Franz watched with pounding heart as the animal, whose every leap equaled twenty of the short-legged squirrel's frantic lunges, overtook its quarry. There was just one possible end. The fox would catch and kill the squirrel, before the latter was able to reach the safety of the trees on the other side of the clearing. And then, both passed out of Franz's field of vision, and crane his neck as he would, he could no longer see the chase he felt a pang of disappointment he could find no life in a latin text but life in its fullest was represented by the fox and squirrel chase a split second later to his vast astonishment he saw the fox streaking back toward that part of the forest from which it had emerged since no squirrel dangled from its jaws it was evident that the fox had failed to catch its quarry and then a dog appeared A half-dozen bounds behind the terrified and madly racing fox the dog was light tawny in color with no dark markings about 32 inches high at the shoulder and six feet from tip of his black nose to the end of its tail it weighed well over a hundred pounds it was short-haired square-faced long-legged and its tail was curled over its back Lean of paunch, its shoulders were massive and blocky. Even had it been standing still instead of running, its great power and strength would have been evident. Franz smiled. The dog, an alpine mastiff, was his own Caesar. Three years ago he'd found it, a whimpering puppy on the refuse heap where Emil Gottschalk had tossed it to die. Inch by inch he had nursed it back to health he had learned a little of its history and its roots went very deep originating in asia probably Tibet, many thousands of years ago alpine mastiffs were brought to asia minor by silk merchants some fell into the hands of the early romans who used them as war dogs when the romans crossed the alps they took a number of these mastiffs with them some became hurt or a female might give birth to puppies these were left behind simply because the marching columns could not afford to be slowed by them and so after thousands of years the alpine mastiff found in the swiss alps a land very much like the Tibet of its forefathers caesar had an almost uncanny ability to adapt himself to the mountains his huge paws supported him where another dog would have been hopelessly mired At the height of winter with franz on skis and caesar trailing alongside or behind the two went where they willed and always safely should the snow be soft caesar ploughed his own path with his tremendous shoulders and never experienced the least difficulty even when all the rest of his body sank out of sight franz could always tell where he was by looking at the tip of his tail let the wind blow as it might and alter the outward appearance of the snow as it would caesar still knew the safe trails he had an inborn knowledge of impending avalanches and a feeling for unsafe ice when the brothers carsmen were caught in an avalanche and buried beneath seven feet of snow caesar found them when all humans failed franz was satisfied that the dog had heard their hearts beating for all that dornblatt had no extra food for dogs franz never would have been allowed to keep caesar had the animal not proven his worth when the snow lay too deep for any horse or ox to venture forth it was caesar who dragged in the firewood his back could carry as heavy a burden as two strong men were able to bear so even though Franz was the only human who could handle him, Caesar earned his way. Professor Luttman said, You will please translate the assignment. Franz, whose body was present but whose spirit had flown to help Caesar chase the fox, paid no attention. Then he was rudely jerked back into the hall of learning. I am talking to you, Franz, Professor Luttman said me oh yes sir franz stammered proceed professor Luttman said well you see sir professor Luttman's kindly studious face was suddenly very weary did you even hear me he asked no sir franz admitted very well i'll repeat translate the assigned lesson i, I cannot do it sir why not professor Lutman asked i do not know it sir franz confessed hertha bittner who was always able to do any lessons perfectly giggled her laugh was echoed by the other students professor Luttman looked directly at franz i fear he said sorrowfully that your scholarly instincts and abilities leave much to be desired for two years i have tried earnestly to teach you and i question whether you have yet mastered the simplest portion of any subject at all it is my considered opinion that your time will be far more constructively spent if you devote it to helping your father will you be so good as to go home and tell him what i have said yes sir franz left the schoolroom his cheeks burning Caesar's meeting him at the door lifted none of his shame and embarrassment, but did provide solace. Laying his hand on the big mastiff's neck, Franz struck directly away from the school. At least he could take the long way home. End of chapter 1